Today on The Breakdown, it's Superstar v. Superstar. It's Batman v. Superman. Well, it's Adrian Mateos v. Olashemian anyway. That's pretty good, right? That's more like Aquaman against, like, The Flash, you know, like, The Winter Soldier versus, like, eh, Bucky. Anyway, uh, it's a super high roller event. It's online. And not only is this interesting because... These guys play an interesting hand against each other, and Adrian Mateos makes an interesting, perhaps too thin, we're going to figure it out, play, and put Ola in an interesting spot. But also, the format of this is a super knockout event, progressive knockout event, close enough. I actually like the name Super Knockout better. A progressive knockout event, which has its own set of rules. There's a differing prize structure here, which is going to come into play in this hand, and we're going to get into all of it right now on The Damp Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. You sound like somebody's dad who's trying to figure out what type of poker his son is playing. <laughs> the Texas... Like, you're playing the super event? The super time <laughs> poker? The Texas Omaha? You play the Texas Omaha? I play that. I like the Texas yeah. Omaha. Yeah, that's a weird game. Weird game. I always get confused with the Texas Omaha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, how many hands do I have in the Texas Omaha? I have five hands, and I, I choose the best one. Yeah, you Is pick that the best happens? hand. You always want to play your okay. best hand. That's, one of my, that's my poker tip to you, son. Play your best hand. But does the dealer tell me which one is my best, or I have to know and I have to choose it? It depends on the game, son. If you're playing Texas Omaha, the dealer will tell you. You don't have to do anything. But if you're playing okay. uh, five-card dribble then that's on you. You have to know yourself. But, but remember, began a 12... always remember, son, cards but... speak. <laughs> thus, remember, thus began a 12-minute segment in which we came up with new names for fake <laughs> poker games. Five-card dribble. <laughs> you know, maybe. That is kind of a cool name Clamor... for a game, actually. Clamorin' Texas card. Whoa, that's a weird one. I think just, you know, you just pick a state in the South and you can probably create a game writer pretty easily. Like Louisiana hot stuff. <laughs> you know, it's not so bad. Louisiana Florida hot Florida butt plug. What was that? Florida butt plug. Wow. It got weird. It got really weird right <laughs> yeah. away. I'm over here trying to, yeah. trying to honor the South and you're doing something else. I had nothing to do with the South. <laughs> it had to do with the pervs who make the poker games. Ah, fair enough. Name them. Fair enough. Fair enough. The, uh, what do you think Omaha means anyway? You think that's just like some <laughs> innocuous, non-profane word? Is that, is that, is that like code? Think? Is that code speak that I'm not aware of? Is that what's going on? Sex, Tell you what, you don't want to get omaha in a back alley. You don't want to get omaha in a back alley unless you really want to get omaha in a back alley. That's I know what I'm a few you. of those kinds of things are, but I don't know what an Omaha is. I know what a hot Carl is. <laughs> you, know, you know who did know what an Omaha was? The, the guy who named Omaha. The poker game, because they're all pervs, the people who name the poker games. Yeah, just the, not the this people who play. thing. Just the... No, yeah. of course not. The good, the good players of the games. Why don't we have a, like, a Dirty Sanchez, you know, uh, uh, like, <laughs> you know, uh, this, Wisconsin this, Dirty Sanchez. Let's play some Wisconsin <laughs> Dirty Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, we're off to a rip-roaring start <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty awesome sounding, you know, little Connecticut hot Carl. Hot Carl, by the way. Everyone think, knows the story between, behind a hot Carl, I think right? It can, yeah, okay. That's enough of that. <laughs> okay. I think uh, 
I think what this podcast could be described as is fanning the flames of high-level discourse in the poker community. I mean, I think that's, that's what we've done so far in this episode. Look, if, we, if what we do just touches one person, just changes one person's life, it will have been worth it. Of course. Well, really, I it's guess all it's, about that. it's more like three people's lives because there's two of us. So if like, the two of us do this thing, it only changes one person's life. Actually, that's a net loss. So three people. We need to change three people's lives. Uh-huh. Okay. Either change three people's lives or, or cause a child to weep one tear of gratitude. Mm. You know, a gratitude tear? One of those. Those are tough. Real salty ones. Those are really hard yeah. to get out of a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's our job here. That's why we've been doing this for five years, because we haven't quite squeezed it yet, you know? Yeah. You know, the, the best move, I think, to get kids to cry happy tears is to have a parent be away for a long time. This sometimes is at like football games where like the, the father's been on military leave or something and the kid's like at a football yeah. game and the father's dressed up as a mascot and he takes his thing off and oh my God, it's dead. And the kid starts crying or at least pretends to cry. That's the question, isn't it? I have a, I have a good plan for how to do happy tears too. Mm. Is like um, you get a dog. Okay. And you... Take the, then like you, for three years the the dog and the kid play together. Oh man! And then you you actually send the dog away, uh, but like to a farm upstate. You actually send it to a farm for a while, <laughs> and you tell the kid the dog's dead. <laughs> you say the dog died. Yeah. Okay. And then like four months later, you bring the dog back. That's how you get the happy tears. You will get that's, happy tears for sure. A lot of other things will happen as a result of that too, though. You know. Depending on the age of the child, they may believe that death is impermanent. Uh, it's interesting yeah. just to reverse the move of like the dog is living on a the dog is dead when he's living on a farm instead of the dog is living on a farm when he's dead. That that alone is kind yeah. of brilliant, I have to say. I mean i I've been called a disruptor of many industries. <laughs> this is uh, the childcare industry getting disrupted by yeah. my radical notions and thoughts. You want and you want a kid to learn to feel like, grateful, like I always say. Like I always say, I've done my job if I just got the conversation started. Yeah, Jonathan. Well, now people are talking. Now people are talking about pretending that animals are dead in order to emotionally manipulate their children, and that's all I wanted. I mean, isn't that like every movie though that has like a dog in it already though? Basically, Marley and me. I mean, that dog didn't really die in real life. They just acted like he was dead. They pretended he was dead. And Jennifer Aniston and Owen Wilson, you know, were emotional, and uh, so was every child. So what you're saying to me, and I'm taking this very seriously, is that acting is lying and it should not be celebrated because it's untrue. Well, okay. First of all, acting is lying. Acting really shouldn't be celebrated in almost every case. I'll give you the occasional Daniel Day-Lewis performance, the occasional Tom Hardy performance, you know, but basically, no, we celebrate actors way too much for, like actors do almost nothing and it's pretty easy to do most of what they do. Um, like um, I know if some people are going to be uncomfortable in front of a camera or something like that, but if you can just get over that, which a number of us, you know, like you and I are used to being in front of cameras, lots of other people are too. The rest of it's not that hard. I'm just telling you, it's not that hard. Uh, and you get way too much money and way too much fame and life is way too good compared to everyone else who like makes a movie. So no actors. So whatever the, the second point was, yeah, actors suck or whatever. Yeah. Um, this shouldn't be celebrated. Um, three, that doesn't mean, though, that we can't, you know, appreciate a movie and that it's not a good thing. Like, you can still make a, 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 chi- a three-year-old cry by, with a movie. I mean, that's got to be good. If it makes the kid cry, I'm, I'm all for it. And I that's mean any kind of basically tears. basically the upshot. You want grateful tears. Yeah. I'm happy with any t- tears of fear. 
<laughs> tears you of have to sadness. Admit, though, yeah. You have to admit, though, on a per-tier basis, the Grateful Tier is the most gratifying for us as far as podcasters who do a poker podcast that is not at all intended for children. <laughs> that right? is for sure true. It's easy to scare a child into crying, let's be fair, right? I mean, yeah, you're just like, boo, and they're like, bam. I mean, maybe you have to, like, you know, get a weapon or something, too. But you're going to... You can do it, I mean, uh, for sure. But, yeah, the Grateful Tier is, is the rarest tier, for sure. And uh, yeah, so we we discussed the important topics so far of the topics of the day. Okay. Let's discuss a yeah. little bit about the situation we're in with this hand because this is unique to the breakdown. We haven't done okay. a hand from a tournament like this before. It's a progressive knockout tournament, which can mean multiple things. In this case, it meant that half of the buy-in went to knockouts and bounties and half of the buy-in went to the prize pool in this 10K buy-in WCOOP event. Um, and... As the tournament goes on, as players are knocked out, their bounty is earned half by them and half by their opponent who knocks them out, mm-hmm. which then is added to that person's bounty, which is the progressive nature of it and why eventually the bounties become really worth getting versus in a normal bounty tournament where it's like, it's a $500 tournament with a $100 bounty, and when you're at the final table and the, the next payout is 50 k the bounty is completely meaningless. Right. That is... Not at all the case in a progressive knockout tournament. To, get, to give everyone a sense of this, too. Um, so first and second place are almost exactly the same amount of money. They're both 111500 One of them's like $6. The other one's $7. But the eventual winner of this tournament ended up with over $100,000 more in bounties than the second place person in tournament. Because when you get heads up, you get half the bounties of the guy who, wins, who finishes in second anyway. You know, So it was one hundred fifty k to fifty k in bounties when all was said and done. Right? So... Yeah, yeah, so the bounty, so the bounty nature, of this really, it ends up being a huge part of the whole thing, right? And we believe it plays into the strategy. Now, we will certainly at the at the time when the major inflection point in this hand occurs, debate whether or not the play would have been made in a more normal tournament. Yeah, and that will certainly be interesting to figure out or try to figure out. Um, but it's certainly possible that the knockout element of this played a large role in the decisions by both Mateos and Olashemian. In this hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was suggested by Casper Quack, by the way, who's been kind of crushing it recently. Been making a lot of suggestions and getting some good hands through. Can you kind of crush it? Can't you just... Either it's crushed or it's not, right? Has it been crushing it or mm, not? I disagree. Crushing is not binary. Imagine, if you will, okay. take a journey with me down the, the path of imagination where you have just finished a, a can of soda and... It was delicious. That yeah. part's not important. I just want to put you in the frame of mind of feeling comfortable and good about the confection that you've just drank. Um, so it's an empty can of soda. And you just take your fingers and, and you put one on each side, your thumb and a, an index finger on each side, and you crinkle a little, a little bit of the can. Yeah. So there's an indentation. That's kind of crushing the can. You know what? That is kind of crushing the can. You know, you know yeah. what else is happening right now? People can't see it because this is a podcast, but one grateful tear is falling down my left cheek, which is the rarest tear. Oh, you're too old for it to matter to me. I need it to be a child. It's harder for grown men to cry tears of gratitude than children. This should be the most precious. No, because gratitude is a, gratitude is a complex emotion, and to elicit it from a child is, is, is quite an accomplishment. You're insane. Whereas... You're grateful every day to get to do this podcast with Grant Dennison. <laughs> what I'm telling you now is just the truth. Uh, children feel gratitude easily and comfortably and share it and are good at expressing it. And most 
adults, especially men, just because of culture and society. Yeah, that's right. I'm going there. Uh, struggle Ooh. to express true Hot emotions. Takes. And certainly anything like, like gratitude or appreciation, especially to the point of tearing up, that is a very unusual thing, much less so than for a child. As we said, you can just pretend the dog was dead for four months. You get a kid to cry like that. I mean, you can, with a kid, you can be like, we're gonna, I'm going to put on a cartoon. And that kid's like, wah, wah, I'm so happy. Thank you. Thank you. Wah. But that's not the case with an adult, man. All right. Well, I think during the course of this podcast to prove yeah. your extreme level of social evolution, you should weep openly as an adult man and mean it, not not acting like find 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 it inside of you and let it let it loose for the audience to hear. Wouldn't that prove your point, though, and not mine, that it's easier for I'm saying it's really hard for adult men to do it. That would prove I your know. point. Of course it would. <laughs> you, you caught my ploy. Yeah. Nice try. See, you think by challenging me, you can get around my vast intelligence. But not this time, Grant. Not this time. <laughs> Last time, maybe, but not this time. Okay. The time before, also. I think we've had a... We've really, we've really covered a lot here. I don't think we need to get to the hand at I all. Feel I feel good. Just... I feel great about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. On the po- oh, we haven't done the ad. We have to do all the right, hand so we can right. do we'll the do ad. We'll do the hand now. We have to do the ad. So we have to get... We'll, we do a hand so yeah, we can do the Yeah, that's right. We have to... Get paid and stuff. I yeah. guess that's why we're doing this. All right, this. all right, fine. Uh, Casper Quack again, suggested this. He suggested it on Twitter. We are the Poker Guys on Twitter, at the number two Poker Guys. If you want to suggest a hand for the breakdown, do it on Twitter. That's the best way to do it. You can try to do it other ways if you don't like Twitter, but I wouldn't recommend it because we often won't see it. Um, so Twitter is the best way to do it. People have created Twitter accounts just to suggest hands. You can do that. You don't have to enter the Twitterverse, which is often... Terrible and full of hyperbole. Awful. You can just create a Twitter account and only follow us and suggest a hand and suggest as many hands as you want and not enter the rest of the Twitterverse. You could try to do that. It's going to be hard to, to resist the temptation to enter the Twitterverse at that point. But if you're really anti-Twitter, but you want to suggest a hand, you can do that. You know? Yep. Do what he said. Agree. Seconded. Okay, cool. So let's uh, lay out the situation here. All right. Nine players remain. We are at the final table. For a 10K, ninth place is, is pretty small because of the progressive knockout and only 5K of each player's buy-in went to the total prize pool. 16,000 is ninth place, as Jonathan said. First is 111, but of course, there's all the bounties involved as well. Uh, this hand starts with uh, Ola Shemian, who has many scarves, but you can't see them because it's an online hand. Has 3.5 million in chips at the 25K, 50K level. He is one of the chip leaders in the tournament. Opens to 100K, min opens, plus one with Ace of Hearts, Jack of Clubs. It folds around to the big blind, which is Mateos, who has 19 blinds. He's got 950K. And he defends the big blind with Queen Eight of Hearts. And of note, Mateos, as the effective stack, has bounties worth $4,375, which to the best of our knowledge means because that's the number displayed on the screen, that if Mateos were to be knocked out, he would receive that, and Ola would get that added to his bounty as well. Yeah, I've been able to confirm that, actually. Okay. All right. So that may play into this thing, right? Because ninth place is 16K, and Mateos' bounty, who's the effective stack in the hand, is worth you know a quarter of that. So that's pretty interesting and should affect players' decisions, and it can be manipulated and leveled in a lot of different ways, you think. So there is now 279K in the pot, and the flop is a good one for Mateos. It is queen of diamonds, four of spades, seven of diamonds. Mateos flops top pair, 
And uh, Ola's left sitting with Ace Jack with no real prospects except for a backdoor straight draw and an overcard. Mateos checks. Do you bet this as Ola? Yep. Queen four seven with Ace Jack. I think so. We're just going to win a lot. Just pure equity denial because you're never folding out a better hand. Obviously. Yep. Uh, once in a blue moon, maybe we can get called by a slightly worse hand, but I would think like pretty much we're just equity denying, and that's fine. We're going to win the pot a huge amount of the time on this board, I think, if we bet. Yeah. We get called by 5-6, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, Mateos only has now 18 blinds left or something. I mean, he just can't make that many speculative calls. He may raise withdraws and things like that, but he just can't, like, he can't just call the call with, like, you know, King Jack and stuff like that, which he might do in two back doors. I mean, he's just not going to do that with this stack size, so... That's nice for us. We get more folds, I think. Quick theoretical question. And um, if I appear uninformed, it's because I am when I'm asking these questions because I've never considered the strategic impacts of a progressive knockout before this podcast. Never thought about it before. Okay. But I'm wondering, should you check raise less if you have a draw like six high, five, six on this board, if you're the effective stack Mm. in this scenario where your bounty is so valuable to your opponent? Interesting question. Uh, wow. Yes, I guess we should check raise at least a little bit less because we're going to get more calls. We just, by the nature of this tournament, we're going to get more calls. So we should be, we should be check raising less or we should uh, check raise more for, we should need to change the balance of value and bluffs and weigh it heavily more towards value. Even if we want to check raise the same amount, we need to have more value if we're doing it right and less bluffs. Yeah. Is that is that same thing true for taking aggressive actions as if you're not the effective stack? In terms of check raising or in terms of any aggressive uh, action, like do we need to weight more towards value in general? Because a major goal of ours is to receive the bounty and the only way to knock somebody out is by having a better hand than them at showdown. Uh I think that's an interesting question. Uh I guess I think no, but it probably depends partially on where you are in the tournament too. So right now there's nine players left. Ninth place is 16K, but second place is 111K. There's like, we're, we're currently in a spot where, you know, if you don't win any bounties and you get to second, that's really good. You know, that's better than winning almost all. Like it's like second place ended up being 50K worth of bounties. Like, so there's a bigger gap between, you know, the second place bounties. Like yeah. bounties are only worth so much now that we're this close to like real money. Uh, as Ola. So I, I don't think we should. The question to me is more about like earlier in the tournament, should we be just really playing? Should we all about that bounty? Like whenever we, whenever the effective sacks are at least reasonable enough that it's possible to get all in, you know, and, and most of the time, I guess maybe I think so. Uh, it gets, uh, bounty tournaments are weird because people basically just don't fold as much. Right. I mean, that's the deal. So right. I think as the, as the smaller, as the effective stack, we should be more aggressive when we have it because people are going to pay you off way, way, way more, way more. And then I think that means that we can be aggressive uh, as the non-effective stack, as the bigger stack usually because we're not because people are going to be more weighted towards having it, which means they can't make plays at us as much. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can still be aggressive. Yeah, okay. I think we can still be aggressive. Yeah. There's a, a lot of strategic paths and levels you can go down on this, and we haven't even begun to think about it. So yeah. we might have some like revelations during this podcast, or we might sound stupid at some point because we missed some major element of it that 
should be clear to us. <laughs> I mean, there's a first time for everything. If we sound stupid once in five years, so be it. Uh, right, right. We've never sounded stupid before, I've, ever. I've never sounded stupid, at least. I'm not going to, you know, say what the people think about your thoughts and communication skills. Okay. I'm not going to say I appreciate it. that you don't. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I have a very I'll... fragile ego. Yeah, very fragile. And I'm trying to protect you from everyone. I'm easily insulted and offended. The amount of things I have to uh, block and delete on Twitter and YouTube just so that you don't see them. And we know what tears you'll be crying and they ain't tears of gratitude is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's an unusual thing for adult friends to do. But what I've done is given Jonathan essentially parental controls to all of my <laughs> devices so that he can keep me safe from the big scary world yeah. because of my fragile ego. What I like is that you leaned right into that one. I think that was great. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, we, yeah. we acknowledge that you're the, like the toddler, and that's fine. As so, but as a result, I have a few knowledge gaps about what's going on in the world. Yes. Like, that's true. You have I don't to. exactly know. I don't exactly know. Like, who's the president? Is, of what? Um, who's the world president? <laughs> queen Elizabeth? Close. Close. It's a different queen. Queen Elizabeth is she it's now it's Queen Markle. Uh what's the uh what's the United States uh main monetary like currency? What's their currency? Uh coins. Yes. <laughs> You're doing good. You're doing good. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, so I do know stuff. Yeah. See? Not as bad as you thought. So David Bowie's okay, right? David Bowie. David Bowie's is doing fine. I mean, I love him. Of course he is. And you know, your other favorite musician, Michael Jackson, also. He's, he's good, right? I just saw he's a concert of dancing his on around the TV. <laughs> anyway, all okay. right, let's move on. <laughs> okay, we're done, with, we're done with that bit. That bit wasn't let's, really uh, working for me, I got to tell you. <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it was one of those bits that like, theoretically could have been great, yeah. but the execution was poor. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't nail it. 100% bad execution. All right, let's get to the hand. More to the it's hand. Like, uh, it's like that. Before we get back to the hand, <laughs> I want to say it's like that movie yesterday. That movie yesterday uh, about the guy who is the only person who can remember the Beatles after some sort of incident, which in which the the idea is awesome, but the execution I thought was quite poor. I think the execution was good for a while, and then and then they didn't know what to do. I think like the first yeah. half of that movie is great, yeah. even the first two thirds. But anyway, back to the hand. Okay. So we've got the Queen 4-7 flop. This is a normal poker podcast. This is what all poker podcasts are like, right? <laughs> and you just year, listen to like the poker news, the poker news podcast, and this is the type of shit they're talking about. <laughs> In the year 2120, <laughs> dude, all poker podcasts will sound just like this, I'm sure. Yeah. Ahead of the curve. That's, the, that's what they call that's it. That's right. All right. So Queen of Diamonds, four of spades, seven of diamonds, two diamonds there of note, but uh, nobody has a diamond draw. Mateo says Queen 8 of hearts. Ola Shemian has Ace of hearts, Jack of clubs. Deus is checked. You said you thought Ola should bet mostly for equity denial. Yeah. I think I agree. He does bet. He bet 67K into 279. Pretty cheap equity denial, but it's going to be effective to fold out the Jack 10s and 910s and stuff of the world. Um, and uh, Mateos calls. Is there any argument for doing anything other than calling here? I mean, I think there's, there's some arguments, actually. If Mateos had draws here, the progressive bounty may change it, but like... He might be raising a lot with diamonds, with straight draws, with things like that. Uh, 
He's going to get called even more often than normal. The problem is it's hard to come up with that many hands Ola can have that he can call that are actually losing to us. He has to have like two jacks, which I think he probably would call a shove mm-hmm. with two jacks. But hands like that, uh, pocket pairs. I mean, a shove is an absurd. A shove is an absurd raise. I mean, it's two x the pot, right? I mean, it's not completely absurd. By the way, it's the kind of it's the kind of raise that might get called because it looks like we're so obviously on a draw. Blah blah blah. I don't know. It's two x the pot. Nine hundred and fifty k, nine hundred k. Yeah, how much does Mateo have? This would be. Uh, oh, it's a little. It's about. K. It's about two x the pot. Yeah. It's nine hundred k into four hundred and twelve. Sort of it's a big shove. It's a big shove for sure. Yeah. But once people get short like this, they often play their big blind along these lines where like around twenty blinds are often check shoving flops where they flop pairs and things like that. Um, I feel like that's more like around fifteen and yeah. fewer blinds. No, you're probably you right. Seeing that, you're probably right. Uh, because Mateos is going to have, I don't know if Mateos is going to have check raises with draws actually because of the progressive nature of all this. But if he is, this is at least a candidate to raise. It's just weak enough that maybe we shouldn't do it though. Like if we had had a hand like King Queen somehow, that makes more sense because at least I can come up with some queens that Ella can have that can call. But I can't come up with any right yeah. now. So I guess I want to call. I guess. Yeah. Sucks. We just don't want to see an ace or a king. I guess a diamond is kind of crappy, but we can't really fold on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So Mateos does call. And uh, if you don't have the internet, you should call Nitrogen on your phone and speak to them. The All of the letters in the link in the description of this podcast. Mm. And that's how you get access to our exclusive tournament. But for those who do have the internet, you should just use the link. So sign up for Nitrogen Sports. Jonathan, tell them about the tournament. The tournament is like having a delectable piece of food slowly fed to you by your loved one. <laughs> the, the, the extreme nondescriptness of the food made that extra creepy somehow. It's just like some future world where all food is just in like the form of a square. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was sort of, uh, yeah, it's great. It's fabulous. It's like in the Matrix, you know, they all just ate that sort of weird sort of oatmeal-y thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Right, the tournament. So the tournament is like a sensual massage by a loved one. (laughs) A loved one you have a romantic relationship with, not like, you know, any kind of familial or... Just friendship with. Uh, yeah, anyway, okay. it's, we can assume that. It's okay, good. Uh, the tournament, it's a monthly tournament, and uh, it's fabulous because they guarantee a thousand buy ins. We always get like 200 players, and uh, they cap it at 300 players, which means there's always a minimum of a 700 buy in overlay, usually more like 800 buy in overlay. It's like you're getting four to one on your money every time, no matter what. By the way, it's a Bitcoin-only poker site, which means you get your money in, out. You get your money out super fast, too. Did I say you get your money in, out? You get it in fast. Yeah. You get it out fast as well. It's like 90 minutes to get that money sounds out. sounds like a, like a lyric to a song. Like, get your money in, out. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. But a lot of uh, songs have nonsensical lyrics. That's true, because so you, you just got to get that rhyme. Yeah. The rhyme is more important than like the... What the what, nobody knows what a champagne supernova is still, right? Like, that's not a thing. I, what is that from? That's from the Green Day or whatever? No, that's uh, it's by Oasis. Champagne Supernova. Oh, yeah. It's their yeah. second most popular song yeah. after Wonderwall. Basically, yeah. Oasis and Green Day to me are the same thing. But yeah, I hear you. Uh, they both were like in high school at the same time, I think. So anyway, this tournament. Oh, Bitcoin only. 
in, out. Yeah, you get your money in fast. You get your money out fast. 90 minutes. It is industry leading by a lot. It's fab, as the Beatles might have said back in the day, because they were English and that was a thing. Uh, also, of course, there's sports betting. There's casino games. Just signing up and playing this actually helps us a little bit, too. So if you want to support the poker guys, it's a way to do it. But most importantly is it's unbelievable amounts of free money. Every single month, they just keep shoveling it in there. We don't know why. It's great. You should definitely be taking advantage of it. It's poker. Absolutely. Use the link in the description. Can, can you believe, Jonathan, that many advertisers in the past have had the audacity and the stupidity to give us scripted ads? I really can't. Like, what are they thinking? <laughs> I really can't believe it. We often will lobby for non-scripted ads, but sometimes like, well, we're just going to give you a script anyway. <laughs> and then I read it. There are times I've read ads by advertisers. This may hurt any future potential advertising, but we did one for a, uh, a gambling site once, like a sports betting site. And I remember as I was reading it, like I felt the ad was inappropriate. You know, I felt like they were sort of lying at a certain time. They say something that was a little, so I would just be like, I'm not going to say that. And like say something else instead. I wouldn't give them their script anyway, because like, no, they're no longer ad- advertisers with us, but like, I'm not really willing to like say things that I think are just fucking untrue. No, like we're not, we don't lie for advertisers. We just no, won't. No, we do not. You know, unless we're, unless we're unwittingly doing so, which oh. You know, or we're getting extremely well compensated, which, you know, oh, sure. I mean, come on. There is a price. We are for sale. <laughs> 100%. But it's not, it's not the prices that are currently being paid. <laughs> it's got to be a lot more. No. Like if we had like Joe Rogan's audience, oh, I'd lie. <laughs> I would definitely lie. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so we've got 412K in the pot now. Queen of diamonds, four of spades, seven of diamonds, flop. Mateos has check called as the short stack with queen eight of hearts. Oloshemian has ace-jack off. Nobody has a backdoor flush draw or a front-door flush draw or any sort of thing like that. Although Mateos does have a backdoor straight draw, and uh, that comes in on the turn, he's got the five of hearts hitting the turn. So it's now queen of diamonds, four of spades, seven of diamonds, five of hearts. Mateos now has a gut shot to go along with top pair. You said he has a front-door straight draw? What the fuck are you talking back about? Door. Oh, yeah, okay. He has a front-door one now. Now it's front door. No, it's still a back door. Front door would be on the flop. Back door is still back door. Come on, kid. But now, now, now he's at the front door. <laughs> he's not. He he's still in knock, the back. He only has to knock once. <laughs> he, whatever. It's the five of hearts. Okay. And uh, it goes check, check. So I want to ask more about Ola's check than Mateos's check. I imagine Mateos might even be check shoving at this point. I'm not sure what his plan is. But is this a card that should scare Ola enough or should just the fact that Mateo's check called the flop be enough to, to tell Ola to not bet this turn card for fold equity? It's a weird spot. I mean, as Ola, we got to believe unless Mateo's has diamonds specifically, Mateo's now definitely has a pair, even if he didn't before, right? That five always can like, there's no way he doesn't have a pair unless he has exactly diamonds. Uh, so if we bet, we have to assume we're either getting called a lot or getting shoved on a lot, right? I guess I I'm not sure if I want to argue for betting, but I do want to argue that we might have other types of hands that we can get to fold, such as like, you know, king four suited or or hands like that. Sure. That, no, he know, can have, have pair some pairs. That are, he can have some pairs that he decides to fold. But like if he turns a five, that means he's got a five and a straight draw. He's not folding. If he turns a straight, obviously he's yeah. not folding. If he has a seven, he's probably feels obligated to hold on for another street at least and maybe all the way. Uh, obviously a queen isn't going anywhere. Um, that's pretty much it. But I think we can maybe fold out for some of the time. Maybe. 
I'm not sure if we can fold out fours. Maybe we can fold out a five even. I don't think we're folding out a seven very often. I don't think. Actually, a five is a straight draw. nothing else going on. Yeah. We're about like seven, ten off. Yeah, maybe. You know, like... Maybe. Maybe. Maybe seven, ten off. But like, if he has a five, he's also got a straight draw. Some of the sevens and fours may have now have straight draws also like you're implying, right? Like you're saying. Even the queen, yeah. even like... Even diamonds could have picked up a straight draw, by the way. Like, this is a pretty straighty board True. now. I, I think yeah. I like and those checking back, but our hand sucks. Checking back, and I guess the, the thing that sucks about checking back is what the plan is going to be on the river, because if Mateos has a draw and we check back and we're still ahead, we're probably never going to realize our equity because he's probably going to bluff and we're yeah. probably not going to call. Right. Right. And if Mateos doesn't have a draw, he's now mostly not folding the river unless we actually improve to be beating him. Right. And then he might actually fold the river, which is bad. Yep. I agree on all fronts, but I think this is one of those spots where, I mean, unless we want to try and blow a four and a five, well, really more a four and a seven off the hand and maybe a five too, we can bet huge on the turn. Otherwise I think we should be checking with the understanding that, yeah, we're almost always lose this pot on the river. Like, Diamonds are going to bluff us out. All the other, like the straight draws all got there and are beating us. Mateos is good enough to bet to try and get called by ace high. Uh, I just think we're going to have to, I think we just have to chalk this one up to a loss mostly when this five comes. If, if, or bet big or bet big. Those are the only two options I think we have. Yeah. Ola goes with chalking it up to a loss. Seems fine. Until the river comes the jack of spades. Giving him a glimmer of hope, but it is false hope, a mirage in the desert, Jonathan. Yeah. For he is still losing. Yeah, he still loses. And straight, there's uh, no further straightening of the board. No diamonds. Board now reads: Queen of Diamonds, Four of Spades, Seven of Diamonds, Five of Hearts, Jack of Spades, Mateus with Queen Eight, and uh, Ola with Ace Jack. Mm-hmm. First question: Should Mateus just lead out for value here? Try to get called by Ace High or pocket nines or something like that. The only problem with leading for value is it is hard to get... Like, ace-high probably isn't calling. Like, we just talked about it. We think ace-jack has right. to fold, right? So now we need it to be... I mean, Shemian could have rivered a jack. He could have a smaller pair than a queen. Like, he could have ace-seven or something like that and sometimes call. Yeah. Um, but there isn't a huge amount. Like, I think we're mostly going to bet and we're going to get a fold, which sort of sucks. Um, checking isn't great either, though, because I think Shemian's got a lot of ace-highs. He's probably just going to check back and hope he's good. So... I guess I like betting because we have top pair and it's probably almost always good if I had to pick, but neither option sounds great to me. What do you think? Yeah, I think I agree. Um, It's just hard to imagine getting called that frequently when we bet, which kind of sucks. I just wonder if maybe we can get him to bluff more frequently than we can get called because I feel like if, if Shemian had a hand like tens, nines, or eights, which is really like the main grouping of hands that we're targeting if we bet when Shemian opens plus one, right? Like that's the main grouping? Um, sure. He's sometimes even going to bet the turn with those hands yeah. to further deny equity, uh, probably especially with eights because we block straights. So I don't know. I feel like that's not really that many hands left to get called by if he's going to fold ace high. I mean, we have to get called by one of the small pairs. It's got to be like ace five, ace seven. Ace five suited is like totally reasonable up till now anyway, right? He bets the flop. He checks the turn when he turns a five. And he's like, sometimes I'm ahead. Yeah. Usually I'm behind, but it's close. You know. I guess the question is, would he open ace seven suited plus one full ring? I don't know the answer. It's Ola Shemian. Pro- he used to. I don't know if he still is. And these, 
these days, you know, it's been so long. Yeah, he used to when everybody was doing that, though, and now it's completely standard to fold it in a full ring situation. Especially when a guy like Mateo says 20 blinds in the big blind. You yeah. Know, he's not super deep or anything. Um, yeah. So that's an, another fair question to ask. Um, let's say he can, though. Let's say he can have sevens, some sevens, not too many, but okay. some. Let's say he can have a seven and maybe even like seven, eight suited once in a while or something like that. Uh, it's not impossible, right? Yeah. I don't know how likely it is, but it's not impossible. So, but there's still not very many sevens anyway, really, right? I mean, it's like six no. combos total if you have seven, eight suited and a seven suited. It's not great. And we have an eight as, as Mateo. Yeah. So it's even less. You're right. So it's five combos. So I don't know, man. Our hand is good enough. Diamonds missed. Maybe Ola will talk himself into a call. I just, I just feel like Ola almost always has a check back if we check. That's my concern. So it's so hard to... Yeah. Like, why would he bluff the river? He usually has a hand that showed out, shows down well enough against diamonds and knows it can't bluff anything else very effectively, probably. You know, unless we have a four. Maybe he can get, maybe he can get us to fold a four or a five or a seven still. Maybe. Maybe. You know? I don't know. I'd be worried. I don't know. About I think it's just it's just one of those tough spots yeah. where like it's hard to it's hard to get value no matter what you do. Agreed. Mateos ends up going with the check. Feels like Ola's probably supposed to value bet ace jack on this board, right? Absolutely. Queen four seven five jack, no flush came in. When, especially when Mateos checks both turn and river. Feels like you like I think the standard play is to bet the queen eight on the river yeah. for most players, right? Absolutely. So you, you would expect that that you're getting a bet out of that. So if Ola bets, he's targeting a four or five or a seven, I guess. Those are his main targets. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, but like Mateos has a lot of fours, fives, and sevens when he plays it this way, right? He check calls the flop and then he yeah. checks again on the river so he doesn't feel the need to bluff. He's got some give ups anyway. Fine. Okay. We don't get value from that. But I think all the fours, fives, and sevens, maybe a few of them bet for value. Maybe a, maybe a good seven bets for value sometimes trying to get called by either ace high or uh, ace five suited or pocket sixes or something like that. Uh, maybe. But that's, that's pretty thin, but maybe. But like, I think, I think yeah, that's a, a relatively chunky bit of calling range that can call if we bet. I think we absolutely should bet for value here. I agree. So Ola does. He bets 175K All right. into a pot of 412. All right. Are you ready to get into a deep, dark hole of, of lev- leveling theory where we, our minds get twisted around and we get lost and we can't figure out what's going on? I am not. I'm not ready for that. Okay, well, we're going to do it anyway. Okay. Sorry, sorry to tell you. I no, don't know cool. why I asked you as if you had a choice because you don't have a choice. I wish you would have so, just said, we're, we're going to do this now. Now it feels like, yeah, I feel like okay, something was are. taken from me. Yep. That's how, that's how I wanted you to feel. That's the state that I need you in for your optimal podcasting. Okay. It's like, uh, it's like how, you, how you motivate, you know, like gymnasts. It's like that. <laughs> gymnasts. Right. So, okay, let's go. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll do the <laughs> right. I'll do the pummel horse. This is my version of the pummel horse. Let's do this. All right. So Ola bets 175 into 412. Mateos moves in yeah. for 780. And I think it's really important here that he moves in instead of doing the almost move in thing because of the whole progressive bounty situation. So this this changes my thoughts on the whole almost moving in is almost always better against good competition in tournaments when you're the effective stack. That's not the case necessarily for this potential leveling war. Okay. What level is Mateos on that leads him to think this is a good check shove 
for value. Obviously, it's for value. It's not a bluff. Um, how should Ola interpret that? And what level do you think these guys have to be on in order to like think properly about the situation because of the progressive knockout situation? And finally, I want to talk about if this would be a good play by Mateos if it was not a progressive knockout, if it was just a normal normal tournament. Cool. So he has four questions all at once. Great. Yeah. Right, you keep track of them. I did. I'm just going to answer the first one. Okay. We'll get to them by accident. Yeah. It's fine. So the first one is basically about uh, Mateos moving in all the way instead of a little bit instead of moving most of the way in, like moving, leaving a little bit back, yeah. which, we've, which we've talked about as we think is probably a better play in general uh, in poker tournaments because the marginal gain you get isn't worth all the times you're bluffing or you get called and you lose and you still have, you're still in the tournament, which makes sense. Okay, so first of all, yes, this has to be um, a good play in terms of moving all the way in, but also I think makes sense as a move in for Mateos, mainly because of this. If Ola had a hand that was better, he's almost always betting the turn. Because, not because of all the normal reasons of like value and blah, blah, blah. Because he wants to be able to make a, a shove on the river so he can get Mateos' bounties. And the way yeah. he's played it, he only bets 175k on the river, right? The only way he gets Mateos' bounties is if Mateos makes this move, which you can't really expect is going to happen very often. But if you bet a reasonable amount on the turn, you can abs- he bets 175k on the turn. He can shove the river comfortably. Mateos has got less than a pot back. Mateos is going to have some side calls there, like, oh, I call. So every queen that's better than queen eight is absolutely betting the turn. I think, yeah, okay, once in a while you made a straight. Once in a while you, you made two pair against me, Mateos. But, like, I'm trying to get it in with you and get your damn bounties, bro. So I think the nature of this tournament actually makes it more clear to Mateos that he's ahead here than he might normally think. Where, he, like, he might be pretty sure he's ahead, but now it's like... Almost always. Okay, I guess this guy could have jacks and decide to check the turn. That's about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. It's really well thought out. Good job, Jonathan. Thanks, Grant. All right. So how should Ola interpret it then? Should he just should he expect Adrian to have more hands like this in his range mm. because of that same thing? Interesting question. Uh, well... I don't know if he should expect that. What he should expect is that Ola's range is pretty weak and Ola knows it, you know, and, and Adrian knows it too, based on the, that, what we just said, right? This is level, like whatever level that last thing was. So the next level is now both players can acknowledge that Ola's range can't be very strong here when he bets mm-hmm. 175K on the river, right? Like he, yeah. except for pocket jacks, he tops out at probably this hand. This is probably the best hand he ever has. Seems about right, yeah. Because he doesn't have any weird two-pair hands, with this with probably this doesn't have an overpair. The five isn't scary enough to make an overpair check. No back way. The turn. No way. You're, you got to bet the turn with the queen or better, I think to try and get it all in for the river, get that $4,000, yeah. man. So yeah. So that means, so Ola sitting there knowing his range is weak. That's one K. He knows Mateos knows his range is weak. That then means Mateos doesn't have to have top pair or better necessarily to move in here. Right. Mateos can have more bluffs yeah. again because Ola's has really severely weakened his range. Turns out Ola's at the top of his severely weakened, or nearly the second best hand he could probably have, right behind a set of jacks here. Um, so that means if I'm Ola, I feel like, okay, Mateos can have a lot of value, sure, but he can have some bluffs too. He can have more bluffs than he might normally have in this exact spot. He doesn't just have to have value because look how weak I am. Yeah, could be. Um, what So... 
would you be sitting there giving Mateos credit for, for doing this with just a queen? Checking all three streets and then check shoving the river? Well, or would you think his value range was a bit more traditional for this line and, and that he has to have strong value? I mean, first of all, when you say checking all three streets, it's, that isn't as powerful as... Like, checking the flop is completely standard. He just checks the razor. Yeah. Checking the turn is standard because Ola's seabed. It's just checking the river. That's the only notable thing with the queen, right? Okay. So it's just important. Yeah. Um, so I might not have done that until he check raises all in, and now I feel like I have to put the queens back in there. Like... He's going to have some queens and play them this way, I think. Like, I would expect he's going to bet some queens too, but especially when my hand is this, when my range is this week, he's probably got some check raises with queens. I would assume if, if, if he checked a queen, he's check raising a lot. All right. I think we should uh, now examine this shemming the spot he's in from the perspective of if there was no bounty. Okay. How should we look at it? Great. And what, what's like, what's the best way to approach this? Should we, Consider calling if there's no bounty. Should Mateos make this play if there's no bounty? I don't know that Mateos should even make the play. Uh, I think it, it might be too thin without the bounty. The ranges aren't as obviously defined. Mateos, uh, Shemian, while he has a normal incentive to bust Mateos anyway, of course, but like he could check back some weaker hands sometimes for deception, like some like Queen Tenny might check back once in a while for deception and stuff like that. He could check back a yeah. few a few better hands, where I don't think he almost ever has better hands except Jack Jack, and only because of the river with Jack Jack, right? Um, yeah. So I don't know if we should make the call as as Shemian now. I don't even know if we should. I don't know if we should be check raising all in as Mateos. I, I question if we should be. Che- I don't think we should. Probably I'd worry about the what's calling us, even though Ace Jack is like a dream hand, a hand that probably has to call. Uh, but not too much else can really call, right? Yeah, you wouldn't think so. Like we have except que- that Mateos's story is kind of like Mateos's yeah. story is kind of bad. That's the thing. It looks it it looks bluffy. Yeah, which you know is good for Mateos in this exact instance. So yeah, then if we add the bounty back into it, it seems like even if Ola is like marginally supposed to call without the bounty, now we add the bounty back into it and all of the factors of the bounty just play wise make Mateos more likely to have a queen, which is problematic. But at the same point, uh, the bounty is worth money. Like you have to add that into your equation. So how do you rectify those two kind of disparate things? I think if I was Ola, I would say to myself, I sort of accidentally engineered this spot a little bit when I checked the turn and now I have, like, the second best hand in my range on the river, you know? Uh, yeah. So there are hands I can bet fold here. Maybe jacks I could consider bet folding, maybe, but not this jack. This is probably the best jack. This is the best jack. And because I've weakened my range so, so, so much, like, I have a lot of bluffs here as, as uh, Shemian, perhaps, when the jack comes specifically to try and move him off a 7-5 or a 4, potentially. Uh, I don't know. I, it feels to me like we probably have to call a split the bounty in play specifically where we've weakened our range so, so much. There's the extra prize. Uh, Mateos has got to be bluffing more because of our weakened range. We're, in, we're at basically at the top of our range ourselves. I don't see how we can fold. What do you think? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the easiest math-based way to approach it would be through distribution. And if we add the bounty in, we just need to expand the amount of our distribution that we're calling with. And this might even be within easily within the part of our distribution where we would call if there was no bounty. Yeah. So I think with the bounty, it means like if, if we don't want to get into a huge leveling war where we end up in a pit of despair and don't really know what level we're supposed to be on, 
You just go simply to that and just click the call button, right? I think so, especially against a guy like Mateos, too, who's going to show who can make a play, absolutely has plays in him. Like, he calls the flop with a four. It goes check, check. He checks again. We bet 175. He's like, oh, no, I'm not good. My four is no good. Like, you have two eights. You have a jack. You have a seven. You're trying to get some thin value here. I can't allow that. You know, I'm going to attack. Uh, you know, he could obviously decide to fold yeah. too, but like this is kind of a great spot to make a bluff as Mateos with, with his bad one pair. When, when Ola bets 175K specifically, it's so small, you know? Yeah. Well, Ola ultimately does decide to call. Yeah. Mateos gets the big double up. Um, I don't know how this tournament ended. Did you, you looked it up, right? Did you um, know who ended up winning? I, I did look it up and I can tell you in a second exactly how it ended. I was, I was trying to, you know, there was so much research to do. All right, here's what ended up happening, bro. So Shemian finishes eighth overall, ended up uh, winning a total of $32,000. Mateos finished third overall. He only got 37.50 in bounties. So he did not bust very many people, but he ended up with $78,678 overall. Uh, Second place, 161. First place, 263. Uh, David Peters, by the way, notable ninth place. And Sir Watts, notable 11th place. Those are the people who cashed in this event. Cool. Yeah. Well, good for them. And uh, yeah, that was kind of fun to try to figure out the whole progressive knockout thing. That was actually significantly more interesting than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like, yeah, yeah, progressive knockout, call a little more, blah, blah, blah. And instead of, oh, look how this weekend's Ola's range. How, you know, look at, look at the now perceived extra bluffing that Mateos is going to have. Like, it actually really was a huge factor in this hand, I think. Yeah. Cool. Cool.